This is the After Party, live with Jim McAllister and John Daly. A good feeling about this one. You do? This is going to be the show. <laughs> this is it. This is going to be the one that gets us 10,000 views. Oh, well, welcome to the After Party Live. This is the show. You don't want to miss it. Do you know why uh, I'm confident? Why? Because I woke up, I got my coffee, and I looked down at my coffee, and it said, you know what, John? You're a star. <laughs> That's right. The coffee people put the sticker on there for you? Yeah. Well, it would be really well, sad if I put it on there myself. You are kind of a big deal. They must know who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or maybe uh-huh. it's Mark Thompson's coffee. <laughs> Picked up the wrong coffee. Whoops. There you go. Oh, well. Well, happy, what, middle of the week? Here we are on uh, the <laughs> After Party a, Live. Are we celebrating that now at this point? We're celebrating everything on the party. We're always celebrating in celebration mode. If you could click the like button, like the celebration right off the bat, we'd appreciate it. Uh, click subscribe if you haven't already, too. Please and please and please. You said that so seductively. Um, click subscribe. I, I did? Yeah. Oh, click subscribe click, if you haven't oh. already. Click subscribe. Is that good? I just got a text from Jefferson Graham. He is in Petaluma. Oh. So that's exciting. Um, yeah. So these are, uh, this is an exciting day for a bunch is of he, reasons. Is he like tracking you down? Yeah. He want, we're, cause we're supposed to take a photo walk together later on. Oh. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Petaluma. Wow. Uh, speaking of towns, you know that new town that they want to create, this group of billionaire people and oh. tech bros, they want to create this new town in Solano yeah. County yeah. with the whole California yeah. forever thing yeah, that like they've... With the minor real estate purchases there in red. They're calling it a hot... The Sierra Club is calling this a hostile takeover. I thought you were going to say a hot mess. <laughs> well, hot that mess. too. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, what, the Sierra Club is saying this California Forever plan to create a new California city. California Forever, in man. California Forever. What's up? Hang They are calling this a hostile takeover. This is a chapter, a California chapter of the Sierra Club now publicly opposing this new proposal for a new Solano County city. They're uh Saying during a press conference this week, California Forever is endangering Travis Air Force Base by ignoring years of smart growth planning. The company CEO of California Forever still on the defense saying, nope, this is a good idea. But the Sierra Club chair, her name is Princess Washington, uh, and the current (laughs) mayor, yeah, her name is Princess, current mayor of Pro Tem Sassoon City, uh, says the secretive billion-dollar land acquisition is nothing short of a hostile takeover. Yeah. And they don't want this to happen. You know, they say this is land. Once it's developed, we can't get it back. So right. once you let people go in there and build a town, you can't get that open space back ever again. And losing prime ag- agriculture land means we're losing the ability to feed ourselves, is what Princess says, but also losing the ability to protect all sorts of species. It's dangerous on a number of levels. Oh. Yeah, I don't know if you want to eat anything that's growing out there, but yeah, I get the idea. They call it a big fat no. No, 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 no. <laughs> According to Princess Washington. <laughs> Princess says no. That doesn't sound like a fake name at all. It's. I think it's her real name. All right? Okay. Don't judge, lest you be judged. I'm okay with being judged. I just Bibled you. Game on. Let's, ta- <laughs> Let's talk about 
are elephants. They're so cute. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is pretty cool. Uh, and uh, let me stall while I find the picture of the elephants. Mm. There we go, elephants. There. Elephants. Uh, yeah, well, a mama uh, actually, and a baby. Yeah. Yeah. What's going on with this? Well, it turns out that elephants get angry too, and mm. a herd of them, like a grudge. Yeah, they smashed up a car that hit one of their babies. Did they and smash it with, a... with their iron rod? Well, yeah, with those, yeah, baby. smashed it with their big elephant feet. The, the ivory rod. Smash it with your ivory rod. The animal people say it's proof that emotional animals protect their own. So oh. this happened in Malaysia. This car struck one of the baby elephants. Eventually, the Ooh. baby elephant got up. But only after the herd caused serious damage to the vehicle. Uh, they are fiercely loyal. They are highly empathetic. The herd smashed up this car. They did some real damage to it, too. Yeah. And, you better call it Emu Emu. The researchers say, put yourself in this position. If your child was hit by a car and you felt that people were negligent or whatever you thought, right. I suppose your family might fly into a rage or scream or shout at people. Yeah. Uh, this according to an elephant research uh, group leader. The people were driving in a compact car when they hit this elephant calf in Malaysia. It was a rainy, foggy moment. The car was rounding a bend on a major highway when it hit the calf who was walking across the road with a herd of five other elephants. Well, if it started and, out as a compact car, it became really even compact more compact right now. When yeah. that elephant calf fell to the ground, the troop stampeded the car in retaliation yeah, they bashed its side doors they smashed out all of its windows so it's not clear right now if the three people uh, were still inside the vehicle at the time but nobody was hurt in this incident except for the baby elephant who ended up running off and it seems that the elephant is okay it's not atypical for highly protective emotional creatures to do something like this they're tightly bonded families the female elephants live together for their entire lives in a matriarchal society that is fiercely loyal, especially to their young. So the researcher says, absolutely. If they feel a member of their family is threatened, they pull together as a united force and watch out. They will, if it means damaging a vehicle, they'll do that. And yeah, and that's what happened. If yeah. the calf, even as much as squeaks, everybody runs over to see if the calf is okay. So, Are you like that? Are you like a mama no. elephant? Mm -mm. No, you don't. You're not going to defend your kids like that. No, I like to give them a little leeway. You know, oh. if they make a squeak, I see if they can handle it for themselves. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Really noted. Um, moving across the pond, a large ram or goat. I like that they don't know. Shuts down a recycling center in England. I guess it didn't identify itself. Recycling center in England was evacuated when an escaped goat or ram, and or ram paid an unexpected visit. The Essex County Council said the Pitsia Recycling Center was evacuated for the safety of the public when the animal dubbed Roger the Ram um, was spotted on the premises. The council identified the animal as a ram, but personnel with the Essex Horse and Pony Protection Society. <laughs> you got to have a horse and pony protection society, which assisted with the capture, suggested it may be a breed of goat. Staff gently detained uh, Roger once he had completed his inspection of the site. Thank you to all staff on site for the quick thinking and action under pressure, the Essex County Council said in a social media post. The recycling center is back open as usual, and it's not at all rammed. Get it? <laughs> the animal was returned to its owner. 
Uh, maybe you just want to turn it, uh, you know, like it's aluminum cans. Yeah, just do a little recycling. Conscientious right. ram, ram. The other day we had that and story ab- about um, a snake that had to be pulled from a car. Remember that? Oh, yeah. This snake in this story had to be pulled out of a an energy drink. It's oh, got wow. its head stuck in an energy drink. Yeah, I don't think snakes and need that. This time it's a venomous snake. Oh, no, definitely. Don't uh-huh. need energy drink. The last one wasn't. This one, venomous. This is an Australian snake catcher reminding residents, crush up your drink cans before you throw them away because he had to go rescue and get the ram s- to take him down in the recycling center. That's right. This uh, the snake had to be rescued because it got its head caught in the opening of an energy drink container. Snake catcher Tasmania posted photos to Facebook showing the rescue of this venomous I lowland love that that's a business. Snake uh yeah, snake catcher Tasmania. Yeah. This is Hello? a venomous is this snake catcher Tasmania. <laughs> How can I help <laughs> not, you? Not not snake catcher uh Sydney. Yes, well we have a venomous lowland copperhead snake yeah. with its head stuck in a rock star energy drink can. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Typical the, cop- the copperheads have really small heads, and their scales only go one way, so they can't back out. I guess it hurts mm. if their scales are pushed up the wrong way or strips your scales or mm. what have you. That It's a miraculous thing that they were actually able to free this snake from the can without serious injury. I don't know how you do that, because by the time you get that snake out, it's got to be angry. And like, yeah, ready to strike, right? Yeah, that's what you need to hire the, the uh, professional Tasmania snake removal. They snake. have those loops, you know, with that with us on the pole, where you're kind of far away from it. So maybe yeah. that's what they did. Somebody grabbed the the can, yanked it off, and ran for their life. I don't know. Do you want a, like a internship? No, you this is how, not my job. No, <laughs> this is not a career <laughs> for me. No, thank you. Yeah, no, oh, there he is. There's his head. No. Oh. oh. I mean, I'm not a huge bad. fan of snakes, but yeah, I mean, it's it, it's our fault. So it's, yeah, it's take, human caused. We did that. So yeah, got to take responsibility. Yeah. Poor guy, just trying to thrive. Um, speaking of thriving, uh, driving is always a mess, right? Well, now there's a new question: Should cars have built-in speed limits? Some think it's time. The National Transportation Safety Board has recommended that all new automobiles come equipped with technology meant to make speeding difficult or impossible. A move that comes after an accident in Las Vegas killed nine people. Um, It's the second such recommendation from the NTSB in six years, but road safety advocates are not optimistic about the technology's adoption, despite speed being a common factor in auto fatalities. Intelligent Speed Assistance Technology, or ISA, ISA, uses GPS and sign recognition to prevent vehicles from exceeding the speed limit in a given zone. It's been met by auto manufacturers with um, with little enthusiasm, and the recommendation has not yet been adopted by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Last year, more than 12,000 people in the U.S. died in speeding-related crashes. Hundreds of thousands more were injured. Uh, quote, there are lots of things that we can tweak to make car crashes less likely and lethal, but one of the most powerful things we can do is slow down cars, said Isabella Chu, Associate Director of Data Core at the Stanford Center for population health mm. sciences. That's quite the title. So they want my car to have a built-in speed limit that I'm not able to go any faster than that? Yeah, like it would read the sign and say like, oh, chit, chit, chit. You're That's in a it. That's 35. it for you. Right? Okay, what if I'm being chased? Mm, well, then they would, well, you'd think they'd be slowed. Oh, they, well, they wouldn't necessarily have the technology, right? I don't know. 
I there mean, could be in like an emergency override, but you only get like one per year. This reminds me as I wrote <laughs> in our sh- reminds me as I wrote in our show description of RoboCop. Yeah, where you know they have this, you know, you have to follow the all laws. If you don't follow all laws, Big Brother knows right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get a ticket right away. Your car says uh uh-uh, uh over the speed limit, and you get a ticket. I mean, you're taking all the decision-making away from human beings. That's a good idea. No, no, it is not. No. Have you met human no. beings? <laughs> I have met human beings. I don't know. I want. I mean, I don't want my car to be making decisions for me. Well, they're saying here this is a, this guy's from Harvard, so he's smart. He's hella oh, smart. He says nagging me. people. Uh, <laughs> maybe you can be on his YouTube show, too. Nagging people to abide by speeding laws only works once in a while. A more natural place to focus is on car design. Um, there's no reason for anyone to travel more than 20 miles per hour over the speed limit on any road. And the dangers uh, associated with that kind of speeding are avoidable if we install this well-known technology. Maybe there's like an override that calls the police. So if you if you have to go over, it immediately calls the police. And it there's a huge push to get people to slow down in Petaluma. They have signs all over the city right now saying, slow down. And yesterday, I got a mailer saying, slow down. They have, there's a huge um, ad campaign to get people to slow their cars down. You better share that with Jefferson. I maybe I will absolutely. Yeah. I don't know if he's a speed demon. It turns out that most people in California, by the age of forty nine, they own a home. Oh, right? crap! <laughs> uh oh, <laughs> I have five years. What you gonna do? In twenty twenty one, less than forty five percent of California residents were homeowners. This is according to a report that comes out of the UC Berkeley Turner Center for Housing Innovation. That number is down from nearly half in two thousand. Nearly sixty percent of people in the United States owned a home in 2021. Of course, it's more expensive in California. So home ownership isn't going to be as accessible here. But using data from the Census Bureau, the study authors also measured the age of prevalence or the age at which the majority of residents become homeowners for each state. California's age of prevalence in 2021 is 49. So less than half of 48-year-olds in the state are homeowners, but more than half of 49-year-olds are owners. That's age is the highest in the country. It is 17 years higher than it was in 1980. There's a, a map that was showing the age of prevalence for each state. They did 1980. They looked at 2000 and 2021. Um it looks like, it seems like it's the worst in California. <laughs> I'm just going to say. I'm yeah, shocked. I know. It's pretty bad. Uh, it didn't wasn't always that way. Um, California did have a higher age of prevalence than most states in 1980. In 2000, it was surpassed by Hawaii and New York in both of those years. But today, California has the oldest age of prevalence. It's distance from the national average widening substantially over time. In most other states, more than half of residents are homeowners by their mid-30s or younger. Did you mention which state was the youngest? John's asking. Um, I don't think they show... They're, they're, this this article is very California focused. Yeah, yeah they don't say show, show the the lowest, the lowest, but they do very say Calif- that California focused, much like this show. 
<laughs> but they do say that in most other states, again, half of residents are homeowners by mid 30s or younger. So I think a lot of other states are much younger than California, homeowner wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well, um, I'll put that dream aside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> More likely Killer to of find, dreams. More likely to find a wedding ring in a sanitation transfer station. That's right. Sanitation workers dig through 20 tons of trash to find oh. a lost wedding ring. That's wow, dedication that's, right there. That's kindness. I hope you mm-hmm. tip them. Uh, sanitation workers in New Hampshire. Uh, you know, we are the number one source for uh, uh, Northeast U.S. news. Uh, went digging <laughs> through 20 tons of trash to locate a resident's lost wedding ring. Wyndham General Services Director Dennis Senabaldi said he received a call from a a town selectman, I guess it's probably like a council person, who put him in touch with a resident whose wedding band had accidentally gone out with the trash. She gave me some particulars, what time her husband threw out the trash out, what was in the trash bag, what kind of car he was driving. Um, How's that relevant? (laughs) (laughs) Reviewed surveillance camera footage to try to pinpoint the location of the woman's trash. So I knew there were uh, where the first scoop went. I knew exactly on the floor uh, on the floor it was, but it's still a lot of stuff to go through. He said him and his team had to dig through 12 feet of trash bags to reach the right bag. The ring mm-hmm. was found about two hours after the search began. That's impressive. I grabbed the ring, brought it up, cleaned it up for her, called her up. She was heartbroken on Wednesday and more than ecstatic on Friday. Senabali said it was the third time in two years that his team has sifted through trash at the transfer station that to find a lost wedding so ring. nice. I what wouldn't think they would people? have time to do that. Yeah, can you imagine calling yeah. up like uh, no. the San Francisco uh, no. Recology office? Yeah, um, click. No. I would think I lost it. I It's out with the trash. It's never to be seen again. Is what yeah. I would think. Are you being murdered right now? We'll transfer you to the police then. and They'll put you on hold. Uh, <laughs> he said the last time was exactly a year ago. Um, maybe they're not that busy. I'm guessing they're not that busy. But uh, tax dollars working, you know, for those people at least. How very charitable of them to do that. Oh, what a nice transition. Thank you so much. Because 47% of Americans say inflation will affect their charitable giving. Tell me so, more. So, yeah, it's it's kind of a bummer because, you know, charities are really struggling right now, too. The holidays are approaching. It's a tough time for some people. A recent WalletHub survey says, yeah, 47% of Americans say their charitable giving will be affected by inflation. Um, and so WalletHub has come up with some ways to make sure that you're first meeting your own basic needs, but then also you can give as well. They say you shouldn't dip into your emergency fund to support other organizations. The intent is really nice. Is anybody doing that? Sometimes people do. They say don't put yourself in a bad position on the other side of needing uh, to receive an as- a gift in the future, right? So don't don't short yourself because that could be dangerous for you. Um, But they also say, listen, don't discount the value of starting small. You might think a big monetary donation has the most impact, but every little bit helps. And so that extra food item, a pair of mittens to your regular shopping purchases added at the grocery store or on Amazon allows you to donate just a few bucks without having to carve out a big chunk of your budget. So it's not all about, you know, how much you give. Also, as Pinky says, donate your time. While money is often the focus of charitable giving, donating your time is another effective way to help your favorite organization. So if you have an hour or two, there are a lot of organizations, particularly around this time of year, who are looking for 
uh, manpower, time, etc. If it feels comfortable power. for you, if it fits in with your schedule and life circumstance, that can be a way to give. Donate non-cash items. So clothing, furniture, electronics, that type of thing. Uh, do a little early spring cleaning that may help might help you take stock of what you've got and giving away things that you no longer use. And also consider that charitable giving can be part of an important financial plan. So if it's 1%, 3%, 10%, you want to be better prepared to donate next holiday season. Set aside a portion of your 2024 spending for charitable giving when you sit down to plan out your yearly budget. And those are some of the ways that if you feel bad and you want to help, but, you know, things are just tight and everything costs more, those are some of the ways that you can try to help and give back if you feel it. And it's interesting because you people think, well, if you just don't have the money, then just don't give. But studies have shown that people that help charities or volunteer or donate they have a higher sense of satisfaction with themselves. It helps your emotional health. Hmm. So... You know, in some cases, so you're cases, doing it I, for yourself. Well, you're doing it for <clears throat> others, but in response, it is helping yourself as well because you know you have a better emotional outlook. So yeah, interesting, very, mm-hmm. very interesting. Um, this next story is about you know we're always talking about Californians leaving from you know leaving for Texas, mm-hmm. right? Um, but before we move on, I want to point out it's a little disturbing that they're collecting unmarked cans. What's Everyone in the can, has, Sally? Yeah, the guy as well. They all have unmarked cans. That's a little sus. That's sus, as the kids say. A little suspect. Yeah, yes, it is. Well, I yeah. think you can't. It's supposed to be a generic picture, so you, they don't want to advertise anything. But yeah. Or there's something nefarious going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, look Californians, at that picture. No. <laughs> some Californians leaving for Texas could be replaced by. Where do you think they're coming from? Look at that jerk with a mustache. <laughs> Where do you think uh, people leaving California for Texas could be replaced by? Where do you think these people are coming from? They're coming from Texas. Yeah. That's why, while it's known that many Californians looking to leave the Golden State often choose Texas as their new home, new statistics indicate that a growing number of Texans are making their home in California. This is data obtained by the U.S. Census Bureau uh, by the Houston Chronicle on state-to-state migration, and it shows that California welcomed 42,279 Texans as new residents in 2022, the most of any state uh, the major motivator when it comes to relocating is how much, what do you think it is? House co- housing costs? No, how much, how much you're, you're getting paid. paid? Yeah, oh, yeah. Getting Paycheck. Paid. Oh, baby. According to Forbes, the average salary in Texas for 2023 is 57300 which ranks 24th in the nation. The average Californian salary is 73220 They're not working in radio. Which is the third <laughs> highest in America, only behind New York, 74,870, and Massachusetts, 76,600. Four analysts say the average annual salary across the U.S. is 59428 uh, around 2,000 more than the average Texas resident, meaning that Texans often require a handsome salary, handsome salary, and a nice mustache, uh, to move out west, according to the Houston Chronicle. Uh, so, yeah, pretty interesting, right? You, yeah. you wouldn't expect that. Yeah, I think there's still more Californians moving to Texas than Texas moving to Californians. But if I'm in Texas, I'm thinking I'd rather move to California and get a bigger paycheck and have my rights restored. Absolutely. Well, it depends on your point of view, Kim. You know, Whatever. Whoa, what? Leftist, latte sipping, drinking. 
perspective that I do here with my cowboy boots. I'm really proud of stealing this image, though. Guilty as cool. charged. Yeah, that that is a cool little picture. Yeehaw! Guilty as charged, you leftist commie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this story is delightful. We celebrate teachers here on the After Party Live. And communists. And, and communists. Uh, and I have to say that Miss Daniele is amazing. Here not she a com- is. Miss Daniele, she spent 58 years teaching Spanish at the same school in Moraga in the East Bay. And wow. she just retired. She started teaching before I was born. Her she hair, was, though, is very Texan. It's it's, it's up there. Uh, it's high. It's closer to God. She looks, she looks good. She yeah. started teaching in 1963. Her name is Lola Daniele. She first started teaching in Moraga, 63. This is the year that President John F. Kennedy was assassinated. The By Vietnam War was escalating. The According Beatles... to Rob Reiner. Yeah, exactly. I was looking forward to the Rob Reiner interview. I was confused. Oh, didn't happen. Yeah. This, uh, wah, this wah. teacher started her career at Camp Alindo High School. And she just retired after 58 years. I can't imagine... Her former teacher students, her former students, uh, colleagues, and school administrators all gathered for a big retirement bash. And she said, look, I got, I did this for so many years because I loved it, right? And she said it wasn't just a vocation, this teaching career. She said it was her life's purpose. She said, I know teachers tend to be givers to begin with. But sometimes that giving wears out, and it just never did for her. I really don't understand why all the attendees of the party, she said, thought I had done something special. I didn't do anything that my teacher colleagues didn't. I just taught, and I loved every single minute of it. Senora Daniele taught Spanish for 58 years to the uh, students at Camp Alindo High School, and they say we are incredibly lucky that we w- can learn from her as they continue efforts to improve student achievement, retain teachers uh, as well. The hun- 150 people, former students, former colleagues, came out to celebrate her retirement. What a, a huge achievement. Old students were saying, she's the best teacher I've ever had, hands down, tough as nails, damn good. Students say, she's not an easy teacher, and she doesn't give out easy grades. She's not an easy grader. She didn't take guff from anyone. A B- minus in her class felt like a total victory. Over her six-decade career almost at Camp Alindo, Daniele continued to work Um, Despite challenging times, including the pandemic, when she was facing health problems, she was working through some mobility issues and students and the school officials got together and they presented her with one of those electric scooter Lark vehicles to help her get around campus. So they didn't want her to leave. They gave her a Lark so she could keep rolling around Camp Alindo. Uh, generations of Camp Alindo grads uh, from her Spanish class gathered. They had colorful decorations. Uh, they, you know, celebrating her. So it's got to feel good, right? She said, she's the one who's grateful that all the people were saying, I'm so grateful for you. She said, no, I'm grateful for you. I've been so lucky, she said, to have so many caring, appreciative, eager to learn students throughout the years. So congratulations to Senora Daniele. 
Congrats. Uh, let's yeah. keep it uh, keep the keep it going with the Spanish. Meet this AI influencer who makes up to ten thousand dollars a month. <laughs> Even celebrities ask her out and are shocked to find out that she does not exist. She's a fake lady. She looks a so real. Yeah, a Spanish modeling agency has created an AI influencer to steer the company out of a rough financial patch. The pink-haired, 25-year-old digital woman uh, called Etiana. Etiana. She's not 25. Looks, she's nothing. She's zero. She was just invented. Apparently, she looks real enough to fool a human celebrity who said who is said to have slid into her DMs and asked her out. Wow. Uh, yeah, uh, she. Uh, the agency known as the Clueless told Euro News that Etiana is raking in a whopping uh, 10000 per month in modeling gigs. That's modeling gigs. And mm-hmm. social media jobs. Man, I feel like a loser. Uh, Instagram uh, has amassed nearly f- uh, 150,000 followers for uh, Etiana, which helps her secure brand deals worth over $1,100 each. Beyond that, the AI model also sells racy images on a platform called FanView, an app similar to OnlyFans. What? We did it. S- s- <laughs> She's like the George Santos of the, the modeling world. We did it so that we could... Uh, oh, better looking though. We did it so that we could uh, make a better living and not be dependent on other people who have egos, who have manias, or who just want to make a lot of money by posing. <laughs> One day, a well-known Latin American actor texted to ask her out. This actor was uh, about 5 million followers uh, under his belt, and some of our team watched his TV series when they were kids. He had no idea she didn't exist. She's not the first and certainly won't be the last. Um, over the last pa- uh, the past 12 months, AI influencers have been netting millions from deals with fashion giants such as Dior, Calvin Klein, Chanel, and Prada. I hate the internet. Well, clearly I'm missing out. So I just have my office sweater in here and I wear the same one because it lives in my office. So maybe I need to, you know, book with a sweater company. Yeah, maybe no, a little a- too real. An AI model she can't go anywhere or do anything she doesn't need to because people aren't going anywhere they're glued to their phones oh man well speaking of being glued to a screen right the list of the most hated tv characters is out oh i've been waiting who do you hate them who do you hate the most Mm, i don't know if i actually hate anyone love to hate people no i don't think i hate anyone no it's exhausting Mm. to hate people the list comes from the website Ranker. They have more than uh, 29,000 users who voted for the 150 most hated TV characters of all time. Uh, here's the list that most social media users saw. All right. Number one, Joffrey Bar- Baratheon from the Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. Number two, Ramsey Bolton from Games of Thro- Game of Thrones. Three, Skylar White from Breaking Bad. Four is Shu Tucker from Full Metal Alchemist. Five is Cersei Lannister from Game of Thrones. She was pretty bad. That's who. It, uh, that's who's on the left, Wes. Cersei, yeah, that's Cersei. Yeah. Six is Livia Soprano from The Sopranos. Seven is Todd Alquist from Breaking Bad. Eight is the Governor from Walking Dead. The Walking Dead. Nine is my favorite. It's Caillou from the kids animated show Caillou. It's the character you love to hate. That oh. whiny little brat. Yeah, nobody oh. likes him. And 10 is Rachel Berry from Glee. I didn't hate her. Mm. Was I supposed to hate her? Allegedly. I don't know. I didn't hate her character. Uh, anyway, uh, X users were generally in agreement about the top pick. 
Joffrey, they say, deserved number one. Everyone enjoyed the moment where he choked and croaked, was poisoned or whatnot. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, it's the, it's the characters people love to hate, right? Sometimes you log on because a character makes you feel passionate about their, your dislike for them. So... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think and um the the uh, the guy the 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 kid who played King Joffrey, he I think he quit um acting to go go to school. Oh. I, I, it's probably really difficult, you know, and everyone hates you. To be the hated character, yeah. Cuz yeah. people think somehow you're you're that person, right? People had some funny comments though. One person said, "What did Caillou do to y'all?" <laughs> Somebody said, "Surprise, Caillou ain't number 1." It's the truth. Someone else said that kid Caillou should be number one for being a spoiled brat. It's true. Um, but yeah, it's kind of a, uh, an interesting list for people that watched a lot of television. Uh, at, at, at this point in the show, speaking of watching oh. television, it's our yeah. one commercial break. Are you ready for it? Oh, yeah, let's do it. When we come back, I have some Disney news, including some really cool pictures. Uh, we will also talk about... Uh, a new bottle rock concert. Uh, what kind of an addition to the one that they already had, but it's going to be going on longer. Um, and the axolotl. Do you know what an axolotl is? No, I, I don't mm. know if I can say that. Axel, we'll find axolotl? out. Axolotl. Axolotl. Yeah, hmm. Axolotl questions. Yes, you do. We'll be right back on the After Party Live. The After Party Live is underwritten by our audience. And without you, this show wouldn't be possible. If you can contribute $10, $15, or $20 a month, it would keep this party a rockin'. The PayPal link can be found in the About section of the YouTube channel or at the bottom of the show description. Any dollar amount is appreciated, and it all adds up. On behalf of Kim and myself, thank you for your consideration. Aloha, bitches. It's the After Party Live. Huge, huge thank you to Doug Koch with a $5 super sticker. Thank you, super Doug. chats and super, super stickers are open. Doug, thank you so much That's for contributing. That's how the show keeps going. Uh, That's right. Yeah. yeah. We and don't a have big any, thank you to our sponsors, new, new so. contributor, David S. So thank you, thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you, David. That's yes. very kind of you. Yeah, really kind. Um, yeah, we appreciate that. That helps us do the show. Uh, small budget, small budget operation small budget but you know what when Big the man heart. flu strikes you oh. i will be here to carry on you talked about a similar topic uh on nikki's show about like uh, men being like crybabies when they get sick <laughs> yeah. yeah it's like when a when a mom gets a cold we yeah buckle up we you know put on a big girl panties and go out and still deal with everything when a man yeah. gets a cold in the bed they go for two days recovering well, Come there on. might be a reason for it. So maybe you should really? stop judging so much, Kim. Man <laughs> Judgy McJudgerson. Man flu is real after boffins. You remember what boffins are, right? No. Remember boffins are uh, like uh, people, researchers? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's boffins. a British term. Yeah, this is yeah. a British article. We get a lot of our news from you know, the Brits. Man flu is real after boffins conclude blokes. That's a British word as well. Suffer more than women. A female nutritionist said, it pains me to say this. But man flu is real, as evidence reportedly shows that the female immune system is stronger than that of males. Hmm. Telehealth guru Jenna Hope uh, says blokes really do suffer more than uh, when they get sick. They're also more likely uh, than women to fall ill in the first place. Jenna, who has a master's degree in human nutrition and health, helps Google and eBay staff stay fit 
and well and appears to be an expert on this morning. Uh, she said, it pains me to say this, but man flu is real. Uh, we already said that. She said evidence showed that the female immune system with higher levels of estrogen and progesterone and lower levels of testosterone was stronger than males. Since men have much higher levels of <laughs> testosterone, which suppresses the immune system, they're more likely to be affected by illness than women who have much smaller amounts of the hormone. Um, that explains a lot. Jenna said, when we look at evidence, we find that the female immune system is actually stronger than the male system. Uh, higher levels of estrogen, progesterone, they just wrote that. The way they write articles nowadays, it's like, did you not notice that you just said that in the last paragraph? Uh, we know that testosterone plays a role in suppression of the immune system. You also said that. So not only do men have more of the hormone that suppresses immunity, they have less of estrogen and progesterone. As a, re as a result, men feel the effects of cold and flu, headaches, sore throats, achy limbs more than women and find it harder to shake off. So they men get sicker than women because they have testosterone and testosterone suppresses their immune system? Yeah, it knocks that, us down. Is that what you're saying to me? Somewhat ironic. Nah. Okay. Oh, so you're gaslighting us now? <laughs> Harry for $5 says, I can't snake out of here without showing my appreciation. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you, Harry. you, Harry. I'm loving work from home Wednesday. Thank you for spending yeah. it with if us. Everyone, everyone who watched the show gave $5 a month, we'd be like set. Walter, aloha. So Walter. Walter, so good to hear from $10. you. Aloha to you, my friend. Hope everything's going well over there in Hawaii. And thank you for that contribution. Hope you don't really have the man kind. flu. Yeah. Uh, uh, so Lori says, not sure that makes sense. Strong immune response is what makes you feel symptoms. So maybe get sick less, but feel worse. I don't know. Well, they're saying that it knocks you down so that you get the cold in the first place. Mm. Julie uh, wants to know, is that an excuse for us to dote more on you males? Maybe. Yes, Julie, that's exactly what that is. Um, a study, if the roles were reversed and I was like... <laughs> crapping all over this story i'd get hell for it a study by scientists at america's harvard university harvard university found men were at a sickness disadvantage to women due to their lack of immune bolstering estrogen researchers gave male and female mice doses of estrogen which cured them of bacterial pneumonia by activating an enzyme called nitric oxide synthase when the gene uh, where the gene was responsible for producing the enzyme was removed the creatures lost their resistance to infection when applied to humans that means Men contract viruses more easily than women and feel the effects mm -hmm. more. It's not right. only uh, it's not the only study supporting that man flu is genuine. I do get like a lot of um, I get like a lot of sinus infections, or they're not all like serious. But I, I you must I have get... a lot of testosterone, hubba oh, hubba. Yeah, yeah man, <laughs> hella hella testosterone, bro. Uh, according to the medical journal BMJ, <laughs> scientists found evidence that men who had symptoms of viral respiratory infection oh that would be me had a weaker immune response that lasted longer and was more severe than women according to the uk health private insurer uh, benenden uh, fellas fellas should uh, take special steps to safeguard themselves against uh flu firstly make sure you're eating the right kinds of foods during the winter months foods full of uh, immune boosting vitamins blueberries watercress kale beetroot when's the last time you had beetroot Never. Uh, garlic and ginger. I had, a which beet, I had beets in it. There's a beet salad at Mary's Pizza that's really good. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. uh, was that the expensive salad that you like to get? No. Oh, that's a cheap um, one. And then get your flu shot. Uh, obviously, I just got my flu shot. You know, and I delayed it because I think Kaiser says like it's due. It like automatically says it's due on September 1st or something like mm -hmm. that. I decided after reading research from the researchers to hold off every year. So I get it at the beginning of November because the efficacy of the flu vaccine decreases every month. And in the past, I never got the flu earlier than like January, February. Right. right. February. Uh, and so 
I just decided, you know what, uh, if if that's the case, right, and the peak season is like January, February, sure, February, then why not hold off a little? And I've done that. I've done that for like the last three years. Timing it out. BW Rock. BW Rock says women's bodies can make more human bodies, so this makes a lot of mm. sense. Uh, Lori says not disputing they might get sick more, disputing that they actually feel worse when they get sick. Yes, buck up, Buttercup. Poor Chris has had the flu since Saturday. Well, you've Saturday. never walked a you've never walked a oh. mile or a kilometer in her shoes. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah. Believe, believe victims. Believe, believe. Mm. All right. Uh, well, what we know about the flu vaccine this year is that, according to Dr. Peter Chin Hong, it's supposed to be they pick the right one. So it's very eff- effective this time around, as is the COVID vaccine as well. So you believe him? That's though, good. Right? Of course, I believe him. Absolutely. Yeah. Who doesn't believe Dr. Peter Chin Hong? Let's take a look at what's going on with Disney. A lot of people were upset that Disneyland, Disney World, was getting rid of the Southern California Disneyland, was getting rid of the Southern California discount for SoCal Mm, residents, right? It used to be that they'd give you a really good deal if you could show that you lived in the Southern California region, then you get a big old discount. Yeah, on... I had it for like two years when I lived in San Diego. Two? And I mean, it used to be really significant, right? Yeah, until so... they raised the prices. We until talked about that raised... Until they raised the prices. They sent a postcard case... with Goofy on the front and said that we're like, we're improving the past. And then on the back, it said that, uh, it said we're saving you money. And then on the back, it right. said that the prices were going up. Well, oh, now... Boy. <laughs> they have decreased the prices for SoCal residents. Once again, the discounts have returned. And you now, if you live in Southern California and you can show your driver's license and prove it, the price is about $75. So that's not so bad. Wait, for the pass? No. For for a, basically for a ticket. So beginning December 5th... Oh, you can get South- individual tickets. Southern California residents can purchase three-day single park tickets oh, for okay. $225. Okay, I, I used to have the annual pass, mm-hmm. which, was, which was hundreds. The weekday tickets can be used Monday through Thursday. The weekend tickets, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The three-day one-park tickets can be used... On non-consecutive days, guests can purchase Park Hopper and Genie Plus add-ons as well. Under this deal, single-day tickets cost $75 a day for the weekday ticket, $92 per day for the weekend ticket. In comparison, a typical park ticket costs $104 uh, and $194, while a single-day Park Hopper can cost between $169 to $259. So if you look at, okay, a single-day on a weekday is 75 bucks, whereas other people that don't live there would have to pay 104. That's a pretty good discount if you're a Southern California resident. Yeah, I think they realized when they got rid of the discount that all those people that were, you know, that live locally, where mm-hmm. they don't have to travel like once a year. Something happened to your sound and I don't know what. Hmm. Perplexing. I don't know. But yeah, so it's it's definitely a good deal for Southern California residents, I would say. Can you hear me okay? Or can I just not hear you? I don't know what happened. Hmm. In the chat, can you hear me? Can you guys hear me okay? Hmm. Here I am. Okay. So I thought it was, I didn't know if it was me or you. Uh, there was an error in the system. Uh, apparently... Oh. Disney, my former employer, Mickey Mouse, didn't want me to. <laughs> they like, don't talk about us. <laughs> it said that don't do it. Uh, 
Uh, but anyway, uh, what I was saying is that the uh, they probably realized that like all these locals who have easy access to the park were just they stopped going, mm -hmm. right? So they must have realized, oh, that's not good for business. That accounts for a lot of people. So yeah. Um, something else, this isn't Disneyland, this is at a different Disney area, the Hong Kong Disneyland. It's the first ever World of Frozen that has opened. And the pictures look, I have to say, pretty cool. Uh, here is what it looks like with the, si the sign, the Frozen sign. So this is where you would uh, walk through the tunnels into frozen land here's what one of the rides looks like look at that so there is uh there's the princess or the queen rather and it's beautiful look at how beautiful that is look at the picture of arendelle is that real the or castle. Is that like that's a... in disney hong kong that's disney world that's the world of frozen at real. disney that's hong kong no that's not a still from the movie that's what it looks like at the park incredible here's wow. another picture for you wowzers it looks amazing it looks just like the movie as a matter of fact too bad it's the communist the... party took it over <laughs> it's totally true <laughs> elsa <laughs> anna olaf and sven have a new home in asia world of frozen disney's first ever themed land dedicated to frozen's media franchise opened at the hong kong disneyland november 20th the new land and the park on Hong Kong's Lantau Island brings the fictional kingdom of Arendelle to life, including some elements from key scenes to hit the movie, like the North Mountain. Elsa's Ice Palace is featured. You can see it way up above. Um, the snowflake-topped ice fountain and the clock tower where Anna and Prince Hans sing Love is an Open Door. I dare you not to try. Is it going through your head right now? Love is an open Oh, I don't you know. You sing it? One. Finish it? No. No, the I just Frozen... let it go. Oh, the Frozen franchise, of course, is one of the most successful in Disney history. And Disney's Bob Iger said in Hong Kong when they were opening this uh, that, you know, it's a testament to the power of great storytelling. Mm hmm. They spent more than three years, the Disney Imagineers, working on this concept and design. The franchise itself is just 10 years old. So they've been at it. They knew pretty quickly they were going to build this Frozen world. There is a Frozen. The first Frozen movie came out in 2013. Then we had Frozen 2 in 2019. There are several shorts and TV shows on Disney+. Plus, uh, and they're all really good and cute. So the, oh boy. I hope they do this at Disneyland. This is incredible. West really T cool. with a super sticker for yes! $5. Thank so you, cool. Wes. Thank you, Wes. Let's take a look at those pictures one more time before we move on. Again, Arendelle Castle. Check out the ride. There it is. There's Elsa up there and the frozen ride. How oh, pretty. Is the ride actually frozen? Like, are they moving? They tell you to bring a sweater. Nobody You'd have to break there. the ice. <laughs> <laughs> break the ice to get through. Yep. Frozen world. There it is. Uh, let's see, uh, this next story, uh, if I can find the photo for it, is mm -hmm. about Aretha Franklin. And remember her, um, all her houses were in her uh, estate were up for grabs. Her family was fighting over it. Do you remember that? Didn't they find the will in the couch cushions or something? Yeah. So Aretha yeah. Fran uh, Franklin's son has been awarded the real estate following the, the discovery of that, um, 
of that handwritten will. A judge overseeing the estate of Aretha Franklin awarded real estate to the late star's son, citing the handwritten will from 2014 that was found between couch cushions. The decision, so always check your couches. The decision Monday came four months after a Detroit area jury said the document was valid under Michigan law, despite scribbles and many hard to read passages. Franklin had signed it and put a smiley face in the letter A. The papers will override a handwritten will from 2010 that uh, that was found at Franklin's suburban Detroit home around the same time in 2019. One of her sons, uh, Kikalf, Franklin will get that property, which was valued at $1.1 million in 2018, uh, but is now worth more, of course. A lawyer described it as the crown jewel before the trial uh, uh, last July. Another son, Ted White II, who had uh, favored the 2010 will, was given a house in Detroit, though it was sold by the estate for 300000 before the dueling wills had emerged. Teddy is requesting the sale proceeds, and uh, the judge awarded a third son, Edward Franklin, another property under the 2014 will. So um, you remember she uh, had, she had four homes when she died of pancreatic cancer in 2018. Yeah. Uh, that's a hard, that's a difficult one. Um, yeah. The discovery of the two Hanneran wills months after her death led to the dispute uh, between her sons. So... Um, so That's awful. I mean, it's rest, so but... hard when someone dies and then there's money questions and ugh. Yeah. yeah. I was reading the fourth son is under a conservatorship. So the judge ruled oh. the other three sons have to take care of him as well. So. Wow. All right. Here it is. La Onda. What is it? It is kind of the extra Bottle Rock concert. Bottle Rock is saying La Onda Latin Music Festival will be taking place the weekend after the main event. So kind of like mm. a Latin-themed Bottle Rock, like an extension of Bottle Rock. Bottle they're Rock, not making of course, enough money? No, they're not. <laughs> seen how much they the need more, are? more, more. Really expensive. Bottle yeah. Rock, of course, the three-day rock music festival that happens in Napa over Memorial Day weekend. And now they're expanding to launch their inaugural La Onda National Music Festival at the, uh, rather, Latin Music Festival at the Napa Valley Expo, June 1st and 2nd. La Onda will feature top Latin musical acts spanning several genres, including regional Mexican, Latin pop, Spanish rock, reggaeton, banda, mariachi, rap, norteño, cumbia, and bolero. All of this music. The lineup is still being finalized. It is set to be announced on Monday. Ticket prices will go on sale 10 a.m. December 8th at laondafest.com. They say they're excited to be kicking it off. They had a big meeting with Napa residents. Uh, Pictures of the meeting didn't uh, show Napa residents looking pleased about an extra event in their community. It's a lot of traffic. You know, it's a lot of extra stuff. It's Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, they had a remember when they had that problem with Bottle Rock and they seem to have gotten it, you know, back on track. But there's an estimated fifty thousand people attending Bottle Rock on each of those three days. So that's a big impact on the Napa community. And now after the three days, it's not over because here comes La Onda right on its heels. You know? Wow. Yeah. Um, here's something that people are probably more excited about. Uh, axolotl is that how you say it? axolotl yep axolotl he's so um, cute yeah ecologists from mexico's national autonomous university on friday relaunched a fundraising campaign to bolster conservation efforts for axolotls a native endangered fish-like type of salamander the yeah. campaign uh called adoptal axolotl 
Adoptal axolotl. Adopt axolotl. For as little as 600 pesos, which is about $35, to virtually adopt one of these tiny water monsters. Virtual adoption comes with live updates on your axolotl's health. For less money, donors can buy a virtual dinner for one of the creatures, which are relatively popular pets in the U.S. In Mexico, in Mexican axolotl's main habitat, uh, the population density has plummeted 99.5% in under two decades, according to scientists behind the fundraiser. Uh, the last uh, last year's uh, campaign raised just more than uh, $26,300 toward an experimental captive breeding program and efforts to restore the habitat in the ancient Aztec canals um, of uh, southern Mexico City. Still, there are not enough resources for thorough research and ecologists surveying the less uh, lesser-known or I'm sorry, the less well-known species of axolotls for the government uh, said, we lack big monitoring of all the streams in Mexico, let alone the whole country um, for this large of an area. There's there's just not enough resources. So Yeah, mm. axolotls, they're endangered. The reason I know how to say axolotl is because it's Julia's favorite animal. Oh, okay. Her friends, when she was in sixth grade, they threw her a surprise birthday party, and it was an axolotl theme with little axolotl plates and axolotl napkins. They're really cute. But because they're so cute and interesting looking, a lot of people want them as pets. So they go and they fish them out of this lake in Mexico where they live and sell them on the black market as these exotic pets. So not cool. Yeah. And so if somebody wants to... uh... Google it and sponsor them. How do we spell axolotl? Google it. A-X-L-O-T-L. Axolotl. Oh, okay. There you go. I'll put it up on the screen. Axolotl. Look at that. Axolotl. Axolotl. Yeah. Axolotl needs your help. <laughs> I think it does. I love these stories. I mean, love these stories. When you find... It's like a antiques roadshow uh, in living color, when somebody finds one of these masterpiece paintings, mm. we saw it recently with the woman in her kitchen. Is there a demon know, in this one? In her French kitchen. There's no demon this time. Oh, this is a Botticelli. <laughs> it's a Botticelli. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's been forgotten for 50 years. It was hanging in someone's house. So it it here's what happened. Okay, this artwork dates to the 15th century. It's believed to be worth, and please do the pound con- or the euro conversion, it's believed to be worth about 100 million euros. It was initially hanging in a church in the town of Santa Maria la Carita. Before the exchange be- rate's pretty even, so it's about 110 million. 110 mil, all right. Before it was entrusted to a local family 50 years ago who kept it in their private residence for generations. So they were supposed to be keeping it safe, and they were. But the Italian state art records forgot about it, and they just left it there at this house. And they didn't even realize that they had it. Nobody said Botticelli does the uh, paint of the birth of Venus. So that's what he's birth of Venus primitive. Primavera. So that's what he's most well known for. But this picture... That's displayed at the Olive Garden, right? Of course. Yeah. This picture fell off the state's radar. They thought maybe it was lost. They didn't know. Mm. And then um, they went to this this private residence 
uh, the Massimiliano Croci, the Carbonieri Command for the Protection of Cultural Heritage of Naples, said the last time authorities inspected this private residence where the Botticelli painting was being kept was more than 50 years ago. So since then, inexplicably, the painting had been forgotten by authorities. But when, after research on these works to be inspected, we realized that a painting by Botticelli had been located in a private home for 50 years, we decided to go out and inspect it. They found the painting at the home. It was in poor condition, though. It had abrasions on it. It had mm. some, um, they, they say, chromatic alterations because of the varnish oxidating in somebody's house. The canvas has to now undergo extensive restoration work. So there could the be a, like a Satan or demon lurking under there somewhere. They don't know what happens when they uncover all the uh, the layer of goo on the picture. We don't know. Ooh, Lorraine Pingle with a $5 super sticker. Thank you so much. Really, really, really nice of you. Um, So this artwork had apparently been passed down from generation to generation among members of this family. They're evaluating whether this family acquired it properly. Uh, Like, trying to verify that the family who owned it was not entitled to keep it and if they weren't then it will pass into the hands of the state otherwise it could remain the property of the family but exhibited in a museum to ensure its greater security a painting of this kind despite a listing in the italian state works of public interest can be owned by an individual as long as that person is able to guarantee its security so you have to say be able to take care of it and keep it in good shape. But since it was found in poor shape, they yeah. probably won't let them have it back in their house. We're taking our $110 million painting back. This picture, the recovered painting, is one of Botticelli's most beloved works because the Madonna that it depicts was inspired by Simonetta Catano Vespucci, who was his muse and lover. She died at the age of 23. And this picture is featured in a book about his life. Um, Pope Sixtus IV handed it over to a small rural church in the municipality of Santa Maria La Carita in Naples. The Pope was short of money at that time, gave it to the church to curry favor with the Medici family, who had acquired properties in the Neapolitan countryside to develop some vineyards there. So the Pope donates it to this countryside church as a tribute to get economic support from the Medicis to finance the completion of the Sistine Chapel. So this picture is pretty significant in its history, and what, you know, it has meant to art in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what becomes of it. But thank goodness it was found. Very interesting. And this next story is about something that's fake. And we like we like fake news, right? Fake news. The Devternity Conference. This is a software conference. Uh, they've they, There are claims that the women speakers, right? The, this is a conference of people speaking. Mm-hmm. The women speakers were faked. Presenters at the Divernity Software Conference have been what? told that the gig scheduled to uh, begin on December 7th has been canceled after allegations emerged that one or more fake profiles had been added to the speakers list. The cancellation of the coding conference designated as sold out <laughs> despite being online and not having any apparent space limitations follows allegations that two, event or, uh, that two events organized by Edward Sizov's 
It included fake women presenters to make the conference speaker list appear more diverse than the actual lineup. Come he on. denies that this is the case and that there's any wrongdoing. The suspects, the suspected fake profiles were flagged uh, by the author of an engineering newsletter who raised the issue in a thread on social media service uh, X, uh, <laughs> formerly known as Twitter. And uh, they said the two women listed as speakers on the uh, conference were uh, invented. It's it was uh, anyway. So now it's it's off. It's over. Ridiculous. Um, but I, I thought that was I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, um. Okay. Did you see the Capitol Christmas tree blew down in Washington D.C.? No. We have a yeah. It's not oh, the first oops. time this has happened, but and it probably won't be the last. But yeah, it came down the Christmas tree in front of the White House by heavy winds blown right over. Tuesday afternoon, it's a 40-foot-tall Norway spruce from West Virginia. It had been put up about two weeks West ago. Virginia. Mm, Mount Mama. It was put up two weeks ago on the White House Ellipse, uh, an area known as President's Park. And it fell over at about one Tuesday afternoon in very heavy wind gusts that reached as high as 46 miles per hour at nearby Reagan National Airport. The... Uh, snapped cable holding the tree was replaced and the tree was back upright by 6 p.m. just a few hours later. This year's tree is apparently a new one replacing an older tree that developed a fungal disease known as needle cast and hmm. causing its needles to turn brown and fall off. This tree, they it had been planted uh, yeah. and so now it has to be had to be replanted but it was uh outside lit successfully on Tuesday all lit up for Christmas there's a lot of people saying oh um it's a you know symbol of a failed presidency like you know fate somehow blew the tree down because president biden is not well liked or what have you which no, is ridiculous they didn't plant it and they had planted it in the past it was so. newly planted when the 46 mile per hour wind gusts came how about no, that being the reason year. They didn't plant yeah, it this year. I thought they did plant it. They didn't. They said they skipped it, right? Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they stopped. They they used to, and then they stopped, and then they started. It's confusing. Oh, I don't know. Um, it says they well that does say they had to replace a snapped cable that was holding it up. Yeah. So I think they 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 didn't plant it because of the uh, problem. But anyway, maybe they haven't done it yet. I don't I know. I derailed the yeah. story, and I that's all right. It blew uh, Doug over. says that formerly known as Twitter is annoying. That's why I added the extra emphasis because that's why yeah. I hesitate every time I see that. Because I think it was Gil Gross who posted online. I think on, yeah, on I saw Facebook that too. That, He's like, we can that, stop saying formerly known as yeah. Twitter. We all know what yeah, X is know. now. Well, the yeah, problem is if you say mm -hmm. X out of context, right? It's not clear what it is that you're saying, right? Yeah. I saw it on. It would be like a variable, like a Y X. I saw it on X. It doesn't sound like a thing. It, yeah. it's not it's not a proper it doesn't sound like a proper name right i've stopped i've stopped saying formally twitter i've just started saying x yeah but it just posted on x yeah i'm mm -hmm. just saying grammatically it's it's yeah. odd it's odd and you know what else is odd what the show is over but stop um, that I, it's not over it is over because i've hit that button and then oh, it ends. Um, but i want you to tease the stories that are coming up tomorrow these uh, next okay we have aliens like humanoid figures with giant heads yeah, in an, found painted in an African cave. We'll yeah. tell you about the Vanugunu giant rat and the giant full rats. beaver moon. And did you know a, a lice may be able to tell our story? Lice? Mm, lice, this, yes. This lice can tell our story. Everything. It really does. Thank you to Doug for the $5 super sticker. 
Harry's Work From Home Wednesday, $5 super sticker. We've got Walter with the $10. Aloha, Walter. So good to see you, hear from you. And Wes with a $5 super sticker as well. Vilma says it's a small budget on the After Party Live, but big hearts. We agree, Vilma. Thank and you thank for you that. And thank you to new contributor David S. Uh, we appreciate you. all the help. Albert, why is Kim talking yeah. right now? <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Thank you guys for spending this hour with us this afternoon. I hit the wrong button, but that's, hope, so that's okay. It's great. We <laughs> hope to see you again tomorrow. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And again, uh, click the like button on your way out. We so appreciate you being here. Bye bye. Have a good one. Have a great afternoon, everybody. Bye bye.